Welcome to the new. Every experience with God's Word promises to be refreshing and transformational. Receive today's message with high expectations as it brings power, light, and a fresh anointing to your life. Ezekiel in chapter 11, verse, verse, um, verse 2 down, the Message Bible. If you have the Message Bible, I would like to have that. God said, Son of man, these are the men who draw up blueprints for sin, who think up new programs for evil in the city. They say, we can make anything happen here. We are the best. We are the choice pieces of meat in the soup pot. Oppose them, son of man. Preach against them. Amen. So sin is not coincidence. It's a script. So these are the men that draw up the blueprints for sin. So sin has a blueprint. And he said, these guys think up new programs for evil. New programs for evil in the city. And they say we can make anything happen. It's what we do. We are the best. We are the choice species of meat in the soup. I like scriptures like this because at times you have to pinch yourself to say, is that the Bible? It is. Right? But this is God, the Lord's commandment. Oppose them, son of man, preach against them. So we are coming there. In Matthew that we read earlier, verse 16, chapter 10, it said, Behold, I sent you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. See, these wolves are these guys at the gate. If you go to chapter 1, chapter, verse 1 of this same verse, what it said is that, Then the Spirit of the Lord took me up to the gate of the temple that faces the east. There were 25 men standing at the gate. I recognized their leaders, Jezeniah, son of Azure, and Palacia, son of Beniah. So these men were at the gate. And you know what the gate is in scripture? This is where decisions have been made. This is where culture has been shared. This is where legislation is happening. Right? 25 men were seated there, determining what is going on in this environment. They exist in every society. This guy, I'm, I'm going to try and speak to, about that. But he said, in the midst of these people and all that they create, right, you are sheep in the midst of these people. And all that they create because these are the wolves. Therefore, be what you'll have thought that having said that you are sheep, you will have said, therefore, be very smart in avoiding them. This what that, that should be logic. Be very smart in avoiding them, don't get on their way, leave them, they are bad people, avoid them, focus on your path. That's not what he said. He said, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, therefore, be wise as a serpent. And harmless as those. Amen. Open to Luke in chapter 16, verse 9. Luke in chapter 16, verse 9. I tell you, learn from this. Make friends for yourselves for eternity, amplified, by means of the wealth of the unrighteous, that is, use material resources as a way to further the work of God, so that when it runs out, 
they will come into the to, into the eternal dwellings. And one scripture says, "Make riches for yourself by the use of unrighteous mammon." One translation says, "And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of the unrighteous money, so that when it fails, they may welcome you into eternal dwellings." Amen. And then, in in Psalms, thank you so much, Sam. In the book of Psalm, I'm done. In the book, you can take all of them. In the book of Psalms, um, the Bible says, Behold, I prepare a table before you. In the presence of your friends, your cousins, <laughs> your in-laws, good people, your allies, those who support you, your, your kids, your department members, your pastors, church members, I prepare a table before you in the presence of you. Your enemies. You need to read the whole chapter. Because it began with the Lord is your shepherd, you shall not want. And then he said, I prepare a table before you. So there is a food you cannot eat if you are not comfortable sitting with your enemies. I really can't fix you. This is the protocol of consumption here. This is the economy that works here. The Lord is my shepherd. Let's go there from verse 1. Let's go. So that we can read that well. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Now, these are the protocol that guarantees that. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Go. Behold, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the sea waters. Go. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Go. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. So this evil seems like a companion. Like, you can't wish this away. This is your colleague right here. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Right? In other words, they support you. You don't wish this path away. My promise is that you will win through this. My promise is not that you will avoid it. All of these instruments, go back. All of these instruments, I will fear no way for you are with me, your rod, your staff, is so that you can stay on that path. So there's grace for that path. Then go to the next one. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Some weaker minds have interpreted this to mean my enemies will be alive, you know, to see me eat. And that's what he's talking about. I prepare a table before you in their presence. Your, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Let's go. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. Surely is, having said all of this, I have this assurance. Without all of that, you don't have this assurance. Come on now. Having said all of this, man, surely. It's like Bill Gates is my father. Like Elon Musk is my uncle. Like all the pastors pray for me every day. Surely. Do you get what I'm saying? That's the meaning of this. So having said all of this, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. Not for a while. <laughs> all the days of my life, my good days and the bad days are in the all. all. Do you understand? All. Not the days you think straight or the days you don't think straight. Not the days you make a mistake or the days you don't make a mistake. It says, all the days of your life, 
and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Can I step down, man of God? Great. So, I'm still yet to get used to doing that. I only do that in a corporate environment where we are giving a speech. Then I can stay on one spot. But, so, whether you like it or not, at any point in time, there are three people in the world. The people you see every time, otherwise called the masses. You see them every time. It's a cheap quality. Any fool can be in that group. You don't need formal training to know how to be in that group. You just need to be born. Once you are born, you start in that group. Right? Except, of course, the people who give birth to you have worked their way out of that group. Then you are born into their own system. Otherwise, you are born into the masses. Then, the people you see when they are appointed, when they are chosen, when they are elected, when they are revealed, when they are sent, otherwise called CEOs, public officials, government officials, the president, the governor, the ministers, entertainers, actors, musicians. Come on now. Uh, religious leaders, uh, pastors, teachers, right? Religious leaders, entertainers, whoever. But they stand in an office where they were appointed to. And so they are seen by that appointment, by that election. Whatever it is that got them there, they were chosen, put there, right? Those people lead and control the people you see every time. Otherwise called the masses. They shape their reality. They determine what they wear, how they dress, how they drink, where they go, where they don't go, how they make their hair, kind of shoes they wear, how they smell, everything. They are the culture shapers. Hmm? They, are the, they are the culture shapers. They are the game changers. They are the people you see. They are the people you see only when they are shown. Then they control the people you see every time. Then they are the people you don't see at all. They control the people that you see when they are revealed, appointed, chosen. In some places, they call them mafia. Some call them power centers. Some call them all kinds of names. But they are real. Unto good, unto evil, they exist. Am I talking to you? Unto good, unto evil, exist. Now, there's a gentleman I respect a lot. His name is Doko. Um, plenty of you have heard the American National Prayer Breakfast. Every U.S. president will step into that breakfast once they are appointed into office, when they are elected into office. And everybody thinks that that, that program is run by the government. Every American thinks it's by the government. Media men think it's by the government. There's a gentleman called Doc Cole, who, 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 according to Netflix, was hiding in plain sight. And is actually the owner of that event. It's an individual program. And every U.S. president, till today, we come there, Democrat or Republican, it's irrelevant. We come there for the prayer breakfast, right? And it's a complete breakfast, um, faith-based movement. And this guy said, the more invisible you become, 
the more invisible your organization is, the more powerful you become. Please stay with me. And you, you, you need to understand, on Netflix, this documentary is called The Family. There's an attempt on that program to portray Doc Cole as a cult. I completely disagree. I, I see him as a very critical force who understood kingdom. And when you understand kingdom, and you operate kingdom at a level, the culture usually greets your commitment with persecution. If you know what I mean. And so, part of the idea is that you have to know how to organize yourself in a world that is driven by agenda. And as entrepreneurs, as innovators, as career people, you are really the future of society, not politicians. I don't know any country that has grown, transformed because of politicians or because of politics. There's a documentary out there. The title is The Men Who Built America. They didn't say the, the, the political party that built America. They didn't say the government that built America. They didn't say the politicians that built it. They said the men, the human beings, the individuals who built America for the way they thought, for the assumptions they held so there, for the way they reasoned, interpreted reality, for the kind of decisions they made. Now somebody said, the guys who brought GSM to Nigeria and sold it to the government, the government did not figure out GSM, right? Business people did. And somebody said when they brought it, they, they, you know, money exchange hands. Money exchange hands. See, 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 that's the problem of this. Money exchange hands. People settled each other. People were bribed, all of that. So he was supposed to, I was supposed to join him in his ignorance and say, wow, you know, so bad. People, money exchange hands. So, but this is what I said to him. And I kid you not. Whatever, how much will I have exchanged hands? Tell me. Tell me, worst case. 20 billion naira, which you know it can't be that much. But assuming that amount, so what is the license then for a GSM license? I think if I remember, it was about 300 million or so. I can't even remember. So, whatever money change hands, what is it compared to what GSM technology is doing in Nigeria right now? Do you know how many apps are riding on that? You know that in Jamaica, you can't transfer money. This thing you do easily from your, your, your app. You can't do it in Jamaica. We are that ahead. Right? For you to sell money in America. In America, to sell money, there's a, a lot of KYC going on. You have to know the person. The person must have a number. The person must, so the person must be documented in the system. In other words, you can't send money to that person if the person is not right there. As you are trying to send the money, the Zelle app will ask you, will tell you that, are you sure this is the person's number? Because it's, if, if this money goes to this person, it's gone. But in Nigeria, you don't have that problem. You are even ahead. Because you will send that money from your, from your app to his bank. And you have all that details. You can trace him. He's not going anywhere. But over there is just a number. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so much business, so much transaction. The companies who are, who are doing the GSM business themselves, um, Glow, um, Airtel, MTN, Nine Mobile, they are making tons of money, employing thousands of people, right? 
the economy they manage alone, all kinds of small businesses attached to their business model. But leave them. The Okada rider. The businesses that, are not, that have nothing to do with that technology, who are riding on that technology. Is it Uber? Is it, do you know how many things are... I don't care how much change hands, man. You look at the big picture. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, there's a scripture I did not read. In John chapter 1, the Bible says, light shines in darkness. You could throw it up, my brother. 18 minutes. You already know we are going to shoot, shoot just a bit, right? You are, you are all safe. Nothing's going to happen to you tonight. You know I'm not coming back next week. You know it's not Pastor Shola's fault. The only mistake is the misfortune of inviting me. So, you are all trapped. But I'll, I'll get out of here as much as I can. Are we together? So don't blame Pastor Shaw's. And don't blame, don't blame the new. Put it out on me. But I promise you, you're not going to regret it. Are you all here? Um, John... It said, light shines in darkness, and darkness did not comprehend it. Now, let's be clear. That I can't comprehend you means I can't understand you. It doesn't mean I'm not sitting by you. It doesn't even mean I'm not hugging you. It doesn't even mean we are not gisting. Just because you are superior to me, and I cannot understand you, does not mean we are not gisting. I can sit on your lap. We can be working together on this thing, but I can't comprehend you. That's all that is here. Are we together? There is no way to define light if there is no classification for darkness. There is no way to define darkness if there is no classification for light. Now, light shines out of darkness. So, there is no way of even appreciating the emergence of light except for the fundamental deposit of darkness. Light shine out of it because that is the only way we can appreciate the arrival of light because of predominant darkness. So, light and darkness are together. If you switch off the light in this room, light doesn't, darkness doesn't knock the door to take permission to come in. The darkness is here right now. It's darker at the back because the dimension of light there is little. It's brighter here because we have more light here. But there's darkness in this room. Depending on how we shine our light, how we shine our light is the degree of darkness and this deposit that will be in the room. The darkness is a constant. You don't chase it away. You don't wish it away. It's there, constant. Once you put off this light, darkness is already there. It just shows up. It's there already. Humble though, Darkness is here, humble, and waiting for light to behave. It is the behavior of light that is the dimension of darkness that you experience. That's why you can't have light in you and be wrestling darkness all day. It's not intelligent. Because you are not supposed to fight what is, con what is a constant. That's like resisting water. Say, I want to live by something else. I'm looking for another way we can live without water. You're going to die. Darkness is a constant. You can't wish it away. It's not going anywhere. You don't get so bright and then discount that and then escape darkness. You don't get so wise and then darkness is not irrelevant. No. 
And you know, you, you can't, darkness is there. If somebody is not foolish, there will also be no terms of reference for qualifying wisdom. Somebody has to be foolish for wisdom to continue to have value. Now, who that person is, is a symposium discussion. The choices of mortals like you and I would define who that person is. Therefore, foolishness is an office, as wisdom is. Somebody will occupy it. Now, it doesn't have to be you. And it shouldn't bother you who does. Because somebody will only occupy it. So when people come and say, oh, there's so much evil in the world. Come on. They, you know, they came to Paul. And they said, Paul, there's division in the church. When, they, when we come together, there's division everywhere. So this is Paul writing, responding to that. He said, I hear that, so he was reported, that when you come together, 1 Corinthians 11, I hear that there are divisions among you. Woo! The most classic response ever. One of my best verses. You know what Paul said? And in part, I believe it. I'll take it again. He said, I, when you come together, I hear that there is division among you. And in part, I believe it. For there must be divisions among you. So that those who are approved may be made manifest. For there must be factions among you. There must be that those who are approved may be recognized among you. How do you find the distinction between foolishness and wisdom? In fact, I think foolishness will be more concentrated. So that it's easy to distinguish wisdom. Paul did not say, let's get rid of the function. He said, no, no, you need it. That's why divide and rule thrives. People say America is divided. I don't get it. Because division is a strategy. At the highest level of power, you need division. I'm sorry to, I won't have time to explain that. But that's part of why the devil is not dead. You don't get it. Oh, that's, not, that's part of why. In a flawed world, come on, you need the other side. Without the other side to be a boring, it's already flawed. And then without the other side, it's constant. I can't, I, don't, I can't even find the adjective to describe the energy of it. Somebody has to write the book and paint the picture for us. That a flawed world will exist without evil. Then what is that? Is that paradox? Or is that irony? Or what would that be? Right? So this is how it works. A company of good people is a weak, powerless, and foolish company. Did you hear me? A company that is only good people. The best you for having a company of strictly good people is training. Training. The purpose must be training. So we bring good people to train them to go and meet bad people. That's why, that's the relevance of church. Come on now. Church is not supposed to be here. If, if church is just to entertain ourselves and come here, shine our light, teach each other to talk to each other, man, it's a company of foolish people. The only reason why good people should be in a room alone, which is still an impossible articulation, but assuming we pretend that everybody is good, <laughs> because that's a symposium discussion that everybody is good. In the ir irrationality of the human condition, come on. Everybody is not good. And even in good people, in a flawed world, even in good people, the potential for evil on a grand scale exists. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Am I talking to you? Yes, 
the last guy who slapped his wife and killed her, he's not necessarily a bad guy. He just, he just overrated his capacity in a particular moment. If you slap your wife, it's not what she said. You don't become a thief because you stole. You steal because you are a thief. I'll take it again. You don't become a thief because you stole. You steal because you are a thief. Such that if you don't ever have the misfortune of stealing in your lifetime, it doesn't make you less a thief if you are a thief, whatever made you a thief. Right? Given the right pressure, given the right environment, if you are a thief, you will steal. You may never steal. It doesn't make you less a thief. You just haven't seen the pressure to bring out your propensity to steal. Are we together? If you are not a thief, no matter the pressure, you cannot steal. If you don't know how to slap somebody, no matter what your wife says, you pick up your jacket and go for a walk. You just don't know how to slap. If you don't know how to slap, you put on CNN and raise the volume. Or put on music or shut the door yourself. Once you know how to slap, you are going to slap. And once you slap, it's not what she said. It's not what she said. You are a slapper. Period. When you, when you, when you, when you cockroach, blood cannot come out. What's going to come out? What's in the cockroach? If you squeeze a car, milk cannot come out. What's going to come out? Metal? Oil? Water? Right? When you put pressure on a thing, what will come out will not enter it to now come out. When you put pressure on a thing, the content of the thing is revealed. That's why scripture said, if you fail in the days of adversity, whatever fool you unto this time, well, today is the day to now know that that is who you are. They say, my husband changed two levels. People don't change, they get revealed. Right? And you will meet your husband at different levels. This is not the guy that married my wife. I've met myself at a level I didn't know I was. The guy that got into government, they say government changed him. Government didn't change him. When he went into government, trust me, he had no plan to steal. He was serious when he was campaigning. Don't think those guys are lying. They're not necessarily lying. He was campaigning for real. I'm going there to change everything. I've seen social critics who criticize government to the last. Then they got into power. They got into office and decided changing. And they were manifesting all kinds of things. And people say, ah, he has changed. Ah, government changed him. No. Government put him under pressure. Because government is a pressurized environment. He now started manifesting things he didn't know was in him. Both him and us were meeting him at that level for the first time. The pressure was introducing him to him as it was introducing him to us. You are just criticizing him, you have been unfair. Both us and him are meeting him. And that is as surprised as you are. Ah, look at me, me. Can you imagine? At times I hear people say, you know, it's the devil. They mean it. That's the way their mentality could describe what's happening to them. But when they say it's the devil, what they mean is that I can't believe I'm doing this. As a scripture said that when you fail in the days of adversity, don't fool yourself. You just meant your real strength. This is where you were all this while. This adversity has now come to introduce you to you at this level that was in your blind spot. Am I talking to you? So part of your understanding, really, is not about perfect behavior. Because you are on a journey, guys. The best you can manifest is perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You will not be perfect. 
there's nobody on the face of the earth. I don't care if he's a pope. I don't care if he's a bishop. Every one of us is imperfect. Come on now. What if I challenge you by saying that the Garden of Eden was not perfect? It was good. It was excellent. Even if they had used the word perfect, which they didn't use, but assuming they did, in the same way the Bible said that somebody saw the Lord, right? But by the time you got to the New Testament, we gain understanding that nobody has ever seen the Lord. Hello? So whatever they saw, people bowed down and said, my Lord, an angel said, no, I'm just an angel. I'm not. Do you understand what I'm saying? But they thought they saw the Lord. Because at the time in Bible days, the only way we greet mystery is through devotion. Once it's mysterious, we just worship it. That's why human beings become deities. I don't have time to explain that. Are you here? In scriptures, we read verses like, an evil spirit from God tormented Saul. It made sense to those who documented it. But when we got the light in the New Testament, we now saw that God cannot be tempted by evil. Neither does it tempt anyone. So an evil spirit cannot come from God. Come on now. <laughs> it can't come from God. In the Old Testament, there was no revelation of the Father. There was also no revelation of the ministry of the devil. The ministry of the devil was exposed in the New Testament. I've been talking to you. Please stay with me. So, when you see Saul, you see Samuel standing to go anoint David. And he told God, if Saul finds out, he's going to kill me. God did not say, oh, that's true. Go back. You know, it's darkness. Go back. Just like you read, I've anointed you to be. God said, okay, okay, this is what you're going to do. Take a heifer with you. And say, you are going to sacrifice to the Lord in Gilgal. Please, where did the sacrifice happen? Are you guys sure you want to listen to this message? Because I just told you, he warned you this is a dangerous message. And some people may come, up, come for me after this and persecute me anyhow. I'm used to it. I expect it every time. Persecution strengthens resolve. Just tell everybody persecuting, they should know that persecution does only three things. It doesn't matter what you are persecuting. Whether it's the gay movement, Islam, Christianity, whatever you persecute, it forms resolve, morphs into authority and regimentation, and it grows community every time. You can't persecute anything. Reason with it, teach it, inspire it. If you persecute it, it's going to grow. Whatever you don't like, reason. If you persecute it, you are forcing it to grow. So stop persecuting me. I'm just going to keep growing and growing and growing and growing. All right. So take a heifer with you and say you are going to, because at times we can pretend we don't have those scriptures in the Bible. You are going to sacrifice to the Lord in Gilgal. He didn't go to Gilgal to sacrifice. He went to anoint David. But you need to give the people a decoy and give them their rumor and their narrative to take to Saul. And this narrative will distract Saul from the real agenda. So it's a parallel universe. The ability of the human spirit to do two different things at the same time, running two different programs at the same time, or being in two different places at the same time, doing two different things. Just like you are seated here now, and you are in the heavenly places. 
parallel universe. Hmm? In the same way, you have to be able to divide yourself into that duality. Stay with me. Stay with me. You do it every day. Every day. Once you are in classroom for your MBA now, you are a student. You are no longer a dad. Right? You are in that dichotomy. At every point in time, you are managing an avatar and a real person. An avatar represented by an agenda, a real person represented by a different commitment. At every point in time, you are in a parallel universe. You are never in one single universe. Religion attempts to condition you into one universe. It's impractical. It will form into hypocrisy. Because it's an impractical proposition. At every point in time, you can represent a mono-commitment. It's not possible in the human condition. It's actually not possible. So, in the name of integrity, in the name of honesty, so tell me, who is a liar here? Armed robbers are in your house. You are hiding in a roof that you know that 500 years, they can't catch you here. Don't forget the meaning of lie. To distort the fact. Distort fact, right? So once you are distorting the fact, you are a liar. Good. Armed robbers are in. You are hiding in the place. They are shouting you on the Mr. Fred, come out. Mr. Fred, come out. If you really want to be, the, because what you are doing is that you are lying to the armed robbers that you are not in the room. <laughs> you are distorting the fact that you are in the room. Right? Yeah. The fact is you are in the room. Yes. But you are distorting that fact by hiding. Giving them the make-believe that you are not in the room. What you should really do is to say, let God be true. Let all men be liars. I'm here. You come down and say, well, we have to be honorable. So guys, I'm sorry, but I'm here. And bam, bam, you are dead. Guess what God will say? Welcome, foolish, but faithful servant. Dummy. Hello? Yes, sir. Why don't you come out? I need somebody in this room who is so holy and righteous. I need a man of God in this room who will come out. Please. <laughs> what made David act as a madman to pass through the garrison of the Philistines? He is not a madman. Duality. He's not a madman. He's not a madman. And he's not just, a, he's not just a, an ordinary man. He's a warrior. He can fight. Why did he ignore all his capacity in that moment? Why? Warrior! Why did he ignore all of that? If he there brings us one soul, that's the end. He said, there's time for everything. A time to fight. Uh, a time. Now, one, said, So, you can't, they say, he that fights and run away we live to fight another day. So if you say today is, is by fight alone, that's the day you go. You must know when to fight, when to retreat. There must be a writer, there must be an eraser. You see what I'm saying? Why did Paul hide in a basket? Is he fear of death? Let's go there. Is he fear of death? Was Paul afraid of death? Don't forget Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Let's pause. Expand it. He said, I am torn between two opinions. Having a desire to die. 
That's negative confession in 2023. You can't have a desire to die. Bind it. No. Paul said, I have a desire to die. He wants to die. So he's not trying to live because of the fear of death. He said, I have a desire to die. But to live means fruitful labor for you. So I'm not trying to live because I don't want to die. I actually don't mind dying because I'm going to a restful place where I don't need to believe God. I don't need faith. I don't need prayer of agreement. I don't need to trust God for anything. It's a better place. So Paul said, I have a desire to go. But to live means that I have work to do. So if against my will, I have a stewardship committed to me. That's scripture, by the way. If against my will, then I have a scripture, a stewardship committed to me. So stay with me. Having established all of I can go on and on where duality has explained truth. So people were looking at the temple. They were not talking to him. They were looking at the temple, admiring it. Then he came and said, if you pull it down in three days, if you pull it down, I will build it up in three days. For God's sake. And the Bible said, this he was saying, talking about the temple of his body. How are you going to know? <laughs> are they looking at a human being? They were looking at a building. And then he said, if you pull it down, in the, and then, of course, they are not going to know. But that was duality in operation. He came to be killed. Let's be clear. Not to live. If he's doing everything they, they want, he's saying everything they want, will they kill him? He came to provoke them. So that the anger to organize conspiracy to death must arise. So seeing, they must not see. Hearing, they must not hear. So he spoke in parable all through. Deliberate, coded conversation, mystery laced with truth to force them into a commitment to kill him because he came to die. Somebody said, ah. Looked at them. Before your father was, I am. Come on. We were at your naming ceremony. What is this nonsense? We were at your naming ceremony. We prayed for you. We put salt in your mouth. We gave you sugar. What do you mean? Before our father, you didn't even say us. Our father Abraham. Stay with me. This is very deep, so stay with me. So you guys are leaving. It's bad enough they are leaving. You should have let them say, if you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh. <laughs> this guy, does this guy get it? This was a people. Do you know God told Peter to eat these animals? Peter said, God said, eat it. He said, God said, I should not eat it. God said, eat it. Then he told God that God said, I should not eat it. Do you know that's what religion does? Right in the face of truth. You'll be telling God what God said. A lot of prayer moments, people come to prayer meetings to give God new information. I've listened to prayer meetings for hours. I've, I've I call somebody, I say, please, take pen and paper. Tell me what is, these guys are educating God. These guys, all they are doing here is giving God information he needs to understand so that he can behave quickly. That's what they are doing here. It's not prayer. And Ecclesiastes qualified, they say, when you come to God's presence, don't come to offer the sacrifice of fools. So you can, you can come to offer the sacrifice of fools. I'm just talking nonsense. But in his graciousness and mercy, he understands you. Yeah. He will meet you at your level. Just because he supplies you at your level, 
is not the definition of how it supplies. That is what your infrastructure can handle. There are higher resolution of supply, but this is what you can handle. There's nobody that wants to give you gas in Nigeria now that will not give you cylinder. There's the poorest person in America does not use cylinder. We don't use cylinders. It's piped through the house. Everything is piped. No cylinder. But if you are a billionaire in Nigeria, you must get a cylinder. The best you can do is to hire somebody to go and be monitoring it, whether it's finished or there, to go and buy, bring it back. So time, energy, resources. The poorest person in America saves that time, saves that energy. Doesn't have to worry about it. You see? So if I go to supply a village in Kano gas, we have to deny our civilization, even though we desire for them to have it at our level without cylinders, but their infrastructure cannot handle it. So we have to downgrade to their level of infrastructure to supply them cylinders that we don't use. Now, because they didn't pray to Shango, they didn't pray to any other god, they didn't pray to Amadiora or any other being anywhere, they prayed to Jesus, and Jesus answered them with cylinders, they will now de- define cylinder as the way God answers. That's not the way God answers. That's not the way God supplies gas. That is the way your infrastructure can receive gas. There are higher resolutions, higher experiences of how gas is experienced, but your infrastructure cannot handle it. So there are many things you are experiencing right now only because your infrastructure cannot handle it. Am I talking to you? So let's get down to it. Let's get down to it. So first of all, rule number one, you have to learn to live in duality, to to operate in business. To operate in business, you have to be able to live in duality. If you can't live in duality, there is just an experience you cannot have. That's first lady, right? Okay. Your wife? Okay. I thought it's first lady. I was trying to put it together. You are welcome all the same. I wanted to welcome her. You know, I didn't, I didn't take it for granted, you know? You know that? Yeah. It's not like I didn't want to. I didn't announce you. I wanted to announce her at the first place. All right, stay here. I need to go. Time is already up. Are we together? Can I have like another five, ten minutes? Is that okay? Yes, sir. Good. So, first thing, you have to learn that whatever you see, you hear, is representative of a deeper meaning. Anything your mind can comprehend, that your eyes can see, your ear can hear, your hands can touch, embodies a metaphysical truth beyond what you are experiencing. So there's always a truth parallel to whatever experience you are having. As a person in God, your difference is the ability to lean into the experience you are having, but to also stretch into that other experience that you are also having, but it's not in your common sense. Everything cannot exist in plain sight. It's not possible. So, a part of you must be able to pick things beyond the limits of logic. Because there's always something parallel Right? Man shall not live by bread alone. The contest looks like bread, but the meaning is soul food. That man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word. So bread is not the goal. 
bread is representative of a deeper meaning and a deeper representation. So every time you have to eat, recognize that there is also food. That food you are eating cannot be eaten anyhow. Because this is not a goal. This is just a symbolism for the real goal. The real goal is spiritual food. The physical representation is... So if you eat a lot in the physical, you can't be proper in the spirit. No, seriously. You can't be. Because you thought that the food is an end. The food is a representation of the end. It is not the end. It's just to let you know that as you are eating now, there's something else you have to be eating. And if you are not eating that, you are malfunctioning by focusing on this alone. So everything matters. The things that have weights and occupy space, anything, plane, car, anything that has weights and occupy space is representative of a spiritual truth. That is why nobody should come to church and comfort you with a car and comfort you with material things and reduce God to his ability to give you material things. Material things are not an end. They are a means to an end. So I can't come and say, God is faithful when you have a car. The car is representative of something deeper. Your focus is to appreciate the material, but to lean into its real truth that it embodies. That's why when Jesus came, it was easy to teach. The kingdom of God, deep, spiritual, is like bread, physical, coin, um, wheat, come on now, slave, Servant, master, let's go. Um, oil, seed. He qualified everything in the kingdom with things that are here. Now go to Romans. I have to round up now. Romans chapter 1, verse 18, real quick. Romans 1 18, real quick. Open your Bible to Romans 1 18, real quick. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the righteousness of man who suppresses the truth and righteousness. Go, go. Because, listen to this, what may be known of God is manifest in them. For God has shown it to them. Now, pause there. What may be, does maybe sound like the future? Come on, when you see maybe, what may be known of God, it means anything, present, past, and future. Am I correct? Whatever may be known of God, present, past, and future, is not in God. It's manifest in them. Why? For God has shown it to them. Look at the next verse. Look at the word. For since the creation of the world, don't miss this, is invisible attributes. Please, what are invisible attributes? Wisdom, grace, favor, kindness, anything in God. All these invisible attributes are clearly seen. How? How? Being understood by the things in heaven, by the things by the side of God, by the things that are yet to be made, by the things that are made, is invisible attributes. From the beginning till dates are understood by the things that are made. Now, when you see evil, anywhere you see evil, every other thing is already taken for granted. So by the time he says, even is eternal power, he's saying, think of anything in his, his invisible attributes is clearly seen by the things that are made. Even the one that you think is not clearly seen is eternal power and Godhead. They are understood by the things that are made. So you need to reduce your high when you are praying. You, you, you look too much to heaven. If you look around you, you will hear God clearly. 
The things that are made, if you study this shoe, you will hear God. If you study this laptop, you will hear God. If you study the weather, if you check the sun, if you look at oxygen, if you look at the phone, if you study the things that are made, if you observe nature, you will hear God clearly. Say, those who are mature have their senses trained so your senses can be trained to design good and evil. That is why you see unbelievers breaking into dimension of clarity because they don't have the indulgence of depending on God. All they have is what is made. And every time they question what is made, they find answers. Because in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, he said he has made the world crooked. And he said he has given men this burdensome task to seek and to find. He said this burdensome task he has given the source of men. Why? So that it can be exercised. If the Garden of Eden was perfect, Satan will not be there. If Adam was perfect, Eve will be unnecessary. If today was perfect, tomorrow will be unnecessary. What is imperfect is not necessarily flawed. Imperfection is a constitution of incompleteness to give engagement to tomorrow's people. So if today is perfect, you have nothing to do tomorrow. The reason why you have hope is because today must be imperfect. That imperfectness is not flawed. Because you are imperfect does not make you flawed. Flawedness is another dimension of imperfection. But the idea of incompleteness that makes tomorrow sensible, that makes tomorrow useful, exists in all men. Am I talking to you? So in navigating in the world, your real goal, don't forget what the world is, amongst wolves. It's a flood world. And in a flood world, without evil, there's no characterization for good. Now, the reason why the devil is not dead, stay with me, I'm going to round this up. The reason why he's not dead is because power dynamics dictate that the one who breached the order of peace and equilibrium must be on ground to organize this restoration. Power dynamics dictate so. So, do you understand what I'm saying? Who caused all the problem? Who do you think is going to fix it? Sorry, please. Without shedding of blood, is there a vision of sin? Okay, so who's going to shed blood? God? Does God kill? Steal? Destroy? Does he tempt? So who's going to do the dirty job? Who, who created the dirtiness? Who's going to clean up the dead? Who can kill? Who can steal? Who can tempt? Who can destroy? So the best God can do in a flawed world is to hide his agenda in the character of the devil. So that as the devil is manifesting, killing, stealing, and destroying, God is achieving his agenda. So he went for Christ, was killing Christ, punched Christ, hung him, crucified him. He said, it is finished. God said, it is finished. He said, no, you don't get it. You can't say it is finished. You don't, maybe you didn't hear the, the memo. I killed your son. He said, yeah, it's finished. He said, no, cry. I've just wounded you. I finished your son. That's the goal. I did everything exactly. And I win everything. You do everything, I win everything. It's a virus. The name of the virus is Adai Known. That's the name of the virus. It has no capacity for memory. So they can run it on you a billion times. You won't remember the last one. It's the same virus that worked against the devil when he was attacking Job. Finish Job. Finish Job. Have you noticed the conversation between the devil and God? I'm about to close. I'm, I'm getting there now. Do you see the conversation? Please, who was called to the meeting? <laughs> Excuse me. Who are those called together? The sons of God. Is the devil among them? Good. So when you didn't have the IV, and you showed up in the party. What should happen to you? 
bouncing, man. There should be bouncers. And of course, in heaven, there are bouncers. Remember, <laughs> nobody bounced the guy. He came to God. They were just him. How did he even come here? They should have said, how did you get here? Are you a son? Who, who, who are indictment? In Gabriel, come here. How did you get him here? That's not what happened. Ah. <laughs> Where have you been? That's gist. Ah, I've been around the world. He was explaining the question. Oh, I've been around the world to and fro. So in your movement, did you see my servant Job? Ah, ah, I know your servant. You protect him a lot. Who says? That's a gist. At the highest level of evil, no. At the highest level of power, enmity is untrue. Partnership. Partnership discounts the weight of enmity. You have to recognize the zone of contention, recognize the owner of that territory, and use your wisdom to manipulate his own power over his own territory to achieve your ambition. So you are superimposing your own wisdom on his own character. If you can't do that, you are a small boy, please. Go and be doing your small contract. You can't take over the world. Listen, at the highest level of power, you don't run away from evil. You mentor it. Listen, if your wisdom cannot mentor evil, you are still jogging. You just woke up. You are yearning. You've not seen the day at all. Hmm? Wisdom must find your wisdom. Evil must find your wisdom so inspiring that it defers to it. That is your chance to manipulate it. The beginning is to understand the concept of that exchange. I prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy. If you cannot eat on that table, you are a kid, man. Kiddo. Pure kiddo. On that table, evil is looking at you in the face. You look at him back in the face. Then you exchange. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, how do you exchange? First, you make sure your results are unprecedented. You can't be using Holy Ghost to trust God for sure. I'm sorry. It's disrespect. God understands it. He works with you, but your goal cannot be to have a land. I time I'm 40, I want to have a land. <laughs> in all that is on ground in this world is land. I want to have a house of my own. A house of your own. People are building cities. Somebody is thinking of mass and how to colonize it. You are thinking of a house of your own at 42. Come on now. Somebody told me, you know, I'm 35. In America, an American. Say, you know, I'm 35 now to be settled. I said, look, look, look. Your youngest brother is the one that built Google. Do you know how old they were when they were building Google? You are a blast from the past. Locked in the tradition of your fathers. Tradition is peer pressure from dead people. You are in the past. The world has changed. Without the Holy Ghost, kingdoms have been built. People are comprehending nations. They are thinking of colonization at another level. Mass is in people's minds now. Moon is in their minds. Saturn. We thought we knew all the planets. Some people came and said, we have more planets. In fact, some of the ones who thought we planets are not actually planets. Knowledge is expanding right before your very eyes. And all you can think about is marriage, shoe, car. Come on now. Thanks. <laughs> Go to Mushin. Go to Mushin. Go and see marriage. Go and see marriages. 
Husband cursing the wife, wife cursing husband, children cursing both of them. <laughs> then you realize that it's not by children. It's not by marriage, man. Who do you think are in their prisons? Children. These kids of yesterday that are in jail. In every country there's a jail. So there are criminals everywhere. There's bad parenting everywhere. There's wrong marriage everywhere. Strong men have divorced. Strong men, strong women have crashed. All these things are not wrong, but none of them should dominate you. Your life is not incomplete when you don't fall into those brackets. Your life is incomplete because you are, it's complete because you are chasing something. Let me tell you something. And when I say chasing something, I don't mean hustle. You are positioned for an idea that transcends what human beings understand. Listen, the opposite of life is not death because everybody dies. That cannot be the opposite. The wise die. The foolish die. Death is the constant for all. Am I correct? So that can be the opposite. The opposite of life is purposelessness. That's the opposite. If you don't live, you are purposeless. And existence is not living. Do you understand what I'm saying? In the same way that the opposite of success is not failure, it's death. <laughs> death is the opposite of failure. Of success. I don't have time to get into that. But understand that duality, lean into it. You are not a hypocrite. You can't represent mono ideas. At every point in time, you are universal. And there are universes parallel. So when I'm with you, I'm PK. Universe. I'm nothing else to you on that level. I can mentor, I can guide, I can teach. That's all you see. When I'm wife, I'm a husband. She doesn't see all you see. That's another universe. So you, it's not a universe, but it's a universe. So somebody said they have a problem with God being three in one. I said, I'm even more than three in one. <laughs> How much more God? I guess because God is not here, three is enough. Over here, we are more than three. Mentor, husband, son, partner, friend. Do you understand what I'm saying? Boss, do you think your employees... Knows that you don't have to have sex. You don't understand. Or you don't know how to have it. Oh, come on, let's talk. You think that's what he's thinking about? He's thinking, pay, pay me. Listen, pay me. I don't care. Just pay me my something. I don't, you are the one that knows what's wrong with you. You think your son at age nine cares about whether they've paid you or they've not paid you? Pay. Pay school fees. Get me my toys. He doesn't care. He's not in that universe. It's not in that universe. It's not worried about that universe. You are the only one that refuses to accept your universes. Everybody you are dealing with don't care about your other universe. They don't care that you are a husband. Live in this relationship. You are my partner. Be my partner. I remember a friend of mine, a billionaire. We were becoming friends. We were becoming friends. And I was getting into his business, counseling, you know, strategizing, supporting, creating ideas. So one day he called me, he said, you know you're my friend. I said, yes, yeah. be my friend. I don't want it to be anybody, you are my friend. So just remember you are my friend. So don't, let's, let's be clear. In this relationship, you are my friend. You are not a savior of these people. I've not sent you to be their Messiah. You are here to be my friend. So that, that one is crying, he said, you need salary. Don't discuss it with me. I'm, don't come and tell me he needs a race. You are not here to save them. You are my friend. You know you can abuse that relationship. 
In fact, you know what is happening? The people in the office are coming to you, sir, because they know that you are the boss's friend. And, sir, you know, he didn't pay me. You see, you now go with your big head. <laughs> My power, what's happening? You didn't pay him. Really? Really? Said, be my friend. I said, you don't even need to tell me. Come, your friend. I, I don't have any other business here. <laughs> Quite frankly, I don't. Shall I say this one? I want to say it, but I need you to. For now. For now. You will talk it off this way. For now. I was best man in a wedding of somebody marrying a second wife. Put it, uh, what is it? <laughs> Do your recording. Let me repeat it for you. So that you can record it. I just thought about it. Well, since when? That's my old self. I'm still going back to my old. I'm suffering. That's relapse. Are you ready? Good. I was best man to a friend of mine marrying his second wife. You will invite me again. It's okay. That's fine. It's not a Christian. It's a Muslim. This was some two years ago. His religion allows him to marry four wives. He's just taking the second one. <laughs> it's my friend. He told me as his best man. He's already praying five times a day. He's already my friend. I can't say you should not pray five times a day. The guy who taught you biology in school is a Muslim. Did he turn your head upside down? You didn't understand? You didn't pass? Because he's a Muslim? Did he teach you well? Didn't you understand? Well, he was a Muslim. You didn't care whether he has three wives. Did you ask him? Did he bother you? Did you think about it? Did he teach you well? Did you pass? Why? Because he's a teacher. Is your teacher. Right? That's all. That's the universe. And you function there, you function there. That doesn't change your belief. That doesn't change who you are. Come on now. Yes, sir. Let me tell you something. If you preach to a billionaire, you've not seen money before. You are a kid. You don't preach to a billionaire. What do you want to tell him? Particularly if you are not one. What are you going to say? This is your year. Really? <laughs> Let's see your own year. Where's your year? Where's your own year? No, what are you going to say? <laughs> I'm asking you. I'm just asking you. What are you going to say? Because at times, you've not experienced it before. If you see Bill Gates now, how are you going to preach to him? You will make it. Uh, what are you going to say? That's the moment it will dawn on you that your entire gospel you have studied eh, is weakness and geography sensitive. Meaning that if you can't find weakness, you can't teach it. You must find weakness for you to preach. No. That means you don't know how to preach to strength. Because if you meet a man whose marriage is good, whose business is prospering, whose children are well-behaved, who's not trusting for the food of the womb, who does not seek, who doesn't need anything, what are you going to say? You will make it. <laughs> what are you going to say? That's when you realize that, oh, the curriculum is deficient. Hello? Yes, sir. Have I helped you? The only way to preach to a billionaire is one, supply enough results to 
to even achieve proximity. After achieving proximity, manifest enough to unlock his humility and his curiosity to pursue your source. Because when you manifest at a level, the whole world is trained. You must show results. Let your light so shine. Yeah. Not before me. Yeah. Not before my angels. We are light. Yeah. You can't shine more here. When you shine together in church, like you create blindness. You blow the bulbs. It's too much light. The relevance of light is darkness. Let your light so shine. Before men. Men. Men that they may see. Guess what? They may see. Seeing is a common quality. Any fool can see. Hello? Looking is intentional. Seeing is a gift of nature. Anybody can see. So he's saying manifest in such a way that even a dummy can see the value of that solution. Enough to plug into it. Let your light so shine before men that they see not your good prayer, not your fasting capability, but your good works and they glorify your father who is in heaven. So you don't give God glory by saying take God the glory. To God be the glory. It's not a statement. It's to manifest results that unlock two things. Evangelism of the future is culture shaping. You shape culture by creating value in one of five areas, two, three, or the whole five. How we love, how we play, how we live, how we work, and how we die. I don't care if it's Facebook, Twitter, Apple, Microsoft, Airbnb. Go check it. They are inside the five. It's either they are creating something out of how we love, or how we play, or how we walk, or how we live, or how we die. If you can't plug your ideas into those five, I don't care what you do. Business, entertainment, career, ministry, whatever you do. If you can't manifest at the highest level unprecedented along those five, or one of those five, you are not in the future. Kabish? Stay in your duality, put that context together. Always look for the other parts that is expanded beyond the one you see. Somebody confronts you with an idea and they say, let me give you the practical example. I've worked in this company, they pay me in dollars for years. And I've supported them as a consultant. I've done incredible things there. I did, I did a retreat for them before Obama came out with, yes, you can. At their retreat, before Obama, I came up with, yes, you can. And they put it on all their tables in the office. Yes, you can. When Obama came out with, yes, you can, the company came to give me, to recognize me for being ahead of the pack. I said, we, we, we entered, yes, you can, before it became popular. They pay me in dollars. Then this particular year, somebody there came and said, the guy, who, the person who approves the, the business said, this one will pay you. It's one of our biggest jobs for you. We'll pay you. But I want you to give me all the money. Just take 500,000 naira. The remaining money, give me. You will get more jobs. But this one, I need the money. Me too, I need the money. And I mean it. At that time, I can't mean it. Come on. I know how to say thank you. I don't wait. Let me tell you the history of bribery. Bribery is a result of ingratitude. That's where bribery began. Somebody gave you a deal without taking anything from you. You left like, as if he's a fool. Like he doesn't have brothers or cousins. Or he doesn't have people he can give the deal to. He gave it to you, you went away. Give the second person, they went away. 
This was the third person he went away. Then he died poor. Then his son saw all of that. Then he became, he got into that office. I'm going to be like my father. You want this thing? You're going to give me 10 euros first. Without 10 bucks, I'm not giving you anything. You guys are not grateful. Just because people don't know how to say thank you, we created a system in the world and allowed the devil to expand it. Then you call it bribery. It begins with not being thankful. You see, there was a time in this country, in this same country, that if you go to a market, a market, you will see nothing there. No, nobody's there, just the store and the goods. And guess what? With coins, you will buy by yourself, take what you need, pay and take your change by yourself. Nobody will be there. I experienced it in my own lifetime. Shomolu there and Bariga, I don't your market. We go there, we buy, we pay, we take everything. One fool must have gotten there one day and said, wow. Hey, these people are foolish. Oh. See good, see change. See, he took what he wanted, he didn't pay, and he took the change. So the woman got back and said, Who sold all these things? Well, what do we do? I have to hire a sales girl. Now, don't forget, the price of nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Nothing has market forces are the same. Prices the same. Commodity the same. Transportation the same. Everything is the same. But we have hired sales girl. And who's going to pay for that sales girl? The materials. So we put the salary of the girl in the material. That is, so what caused the increase? Corruption. Nothing else has increased this price. Just, we are paying more to cover for corruption, the cost of corruption. That's what has entered this thing. Then the sales girl too began to steal. Ten years after. By that time, CCV has come out. So what do we do? I put CCV there. We don't know about that cost. So without anything even happening in the market, between sales girl and CCV, the price of TomTom has gone up. You see what I'm saying? So the idea is, when you get into anything, recognize that every action you take is transgenerational. Now I need to jump. It's transgenerational. But more than that, that there's something bigger always at stake. Always at stake. So come back there and say, in this situation, what is at stake? For me, what was at stake was bigger than what she was asking for. And I told her, I'm sorry, with due respect, I can't give you anything. I need this money. On a good day, listen, I will tell you, don't worry. You need this money? I will do the business, charge what I need to charge. I will take the money and I will give you. Next time, don't ask me. I will give you. Or if you have to ask me, tell me about your problem. Don't tell me, to bring, don't tell me how to solve it. Tell me, PK, I need help. I'm trying to solve this problem. I need 10 million. Leave me. To determine how I'm going to solve that problem for you. But you, are, you have been nice to me. You've been kind. You've approved my business for years. I will be kind. Trust me. I've had such conversations before. I will do that. But this time you are asking me, I can't leave this money. Say, so then you won't get the business. Ah. You won't get the business because they've already approved it. You won't get it next time. Say, no, I'll get it next time. You won't get it next time. I say, okay, what do you want? Say, Just give me this money. Thought about it. This woman, I don't know. I'll, okay, I'll give you. Deal, deal. So we went. You, you're going to criticize me for this, I know, but it's okay. So we did the job. The money came out. They paid me. Adios, amigo. <laughs> I vanished. She started calling me, calling me, calling me, calling me, asking all her stuff because she, she can't report me. He started calling me, telling all the staff to call me. Those ones they want to give me more joy. I said, no, it's the money. <laughs> so I didn't give it. I worked for the money. I didn't inflate it. 
it's my work. I just come and dash you like that. And somebody said, God, if it's me, I'll just walk away. If it's you, I'm so glad I'm not you. <laughs> I don't walk away. I stand in there. It's the reward of my labor. I'm going to insist there. I took what I worked for, and I took it away. But you told him that it's a deal. Yeah, that's a negotiation. That's it. Three years after, she was fired. Did I get a job for three years? No. Was she fired? Yes. The person who came in said, looked at the files and said, this guy is damn good. Find him. He brought me back. My business continued. Right? I suffered persecution for three years, but it was fine. But on that gate, I had to win. Hmm? The idea is, if you don't know how to make riches for yourself by the use of unrighteous mammon, you'll be cheated in this life. Now, what I've done all my life is when I find a door, I invest in it. Don't wait to be asked. Let gratitude go ahead of you to save you from the demand for bribery. When you get to a place, give out of your way. Use money to make friends for yourself so that in the day of your need, you will be out of the list of people who such demand can be made from because you've upgraded your relationship from business to a connection deeper. Find their pain points and invest in it. The next time you get a deal, get close. What are you going through? He said, I started going for school fees. Give. He tell you that, oh, my son is going for, to Harvard to go and study. Da, 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 da. Call him and say, you know what? I want to put some value there. How much do your son need for this first semester? I'm giving you this. Hello? These are human beings. If you don't go ahead of them and think ahead of them and take a stake in their future, before your problems come, they will demand it when your need comes. Have you heard me? Make riches for yourself by the use of unrighteous mammon. There's a guy called Joseph of Arimathea in scriptures. Remember him. You know what he did in the Bible? He appeared once. He rescued the body of Christ. He negotiated the body of Christ out of Palos Pilate's office. And there are still Josephs of Arimathea today, whose job is to negotiate the body of Christ. And this guy went in there to take, otherwise they were going to bury Christ anyhow, to take that body and bury it according to prophecy. So it was significant. Yeah. If he had missed his role, that would have endangered the whole prophecy. He had to go negotiate and get that body out so that Christ can be buried according to prophecy. So he went in there. But how did he get into Pilate's, mm -hmm. Pilate's palace? That's yeah. the question. Yeah. How did he get that? The Bible called him a rich man. So he was a rich man who is a Jew, yes, but had a relationship. He had made riches for himself by the use of unrighteous mammon. He had made friends for himself by the use of unrighteous mammon. So in the day of need, he has put so much money, so much grace ahead of him that it was easy to just walk in and negotiate and take that body out. You see what I'm saying? Don't wait for people to be in a desperate mode for you to understand that you have a quality of giving. Recognize your quality before any need. And give is your proof of humanity. Dogs can give. Lions can do it. No animal can do it. Only human beings can give. And giving is not just doing things that your family and your friends can feel. Giving is empowering a world beyond the one you own. So when you pay school fees, it's not giving. When you give your wife money, it's not giving. That's duty. 
Giving is empowering a world beyond the one you own. So once you understand that quality in you as proof of your humanity, you are consistently giving to areas that serve the cause of humanity, but more than that, to gates that you know we serve your cause very soon. Understand those gates. The secretary, the commissioner, the minister. Give and give intelligently. Do dinners. Can we, can we go out for dinner? You can live 40 years and never say it. Because some people, food means survivor to them. Food is a business too. Right? Out of 500 people you know, one would say, can we do dinner? People don't say it. Particularly in this class. Can we do dinner? Once you tell a, a, a big mind, somebody quality, can we, can we discuss that over dinner? That is a language he hears amongst kings. Even if you are not a king like that, a part of him puts you in that place. Because people who talk like that are in his kingdom. They are in his space. So there are things, there are lingos of the poor. There are lingos for positioning. Like, can we do lunch? That is a lingo for positioning. Hungry people don't say that. <laughs> Have you heard me? Do dinners, do lunches, make breakfast. It doesn't cost you money. You have a good house, set up a dinner. How much is the food? You know what is easy to do these days? Jollof rice, chicken, plantain, moi moi, ah, very easy to do. Once a month, or once every two months, or once a quarter, just cook. 100,000 naira. How much is meat? How much is chicken? Just cook. And invite friends and partners. Let them just come and eat. And meet each other. And mingle. And visit. Take a gift with you. A packet of handkerchief with their initial. Doesn't have to be anything big. Just so people know that I'm around. So that in the day of need, everything works together for your good. That's what it means to make riches for yourself. By the use of a righteous man. Are you, have I helped you? Are you sure? Finally, finally, final counsel. Final counsel. Never back down before evil. Remember, the only language evil understands is superior results. Not pity, not crying, not feeling sorry. Right? Stand as a king. Get into the system. Engage. Never forget if only your doviness will be the instrument you are going to manifest, people will cheat you, drop you, use you, take you for granted, kill you if necessary. Mm. The Bible says be a dove is important, but it's not complete. Be gentle as a dove, yes, but be wise as a serpent. What is the greatest characteristic of a serpent? Please, I'll tell you quickly. Cunningness. Cunningness. The Bible says be cunning. Be cunning. Now, when are you in evil cunningness or strategic cunningness? Paul said, Oh crafty fellow that I am, I took you in by deceit. What about that? Two very powerful words. Oh crafty fellow that I am. Crafty. I took you in by deceit. Crafty fellow. I took you in by deceit. Crafty fellow. Listen to this. I'm going to get out of your face. Crafty fellow, I took you in by deceit. How did Paul take people in by deceit? This is Apostle Paul. New American Standard Version. Oh, crafty fellow that I am, I took you in by deceit. How did he do that? To those without law, I became as without law, though not without the law of Christ. Duality. The law of man, 
the law of Christ. You can be without the law. You can appear to be without law. You can appear lawless without losing the law of Christ. Come on. You get what I'm saying? Without losing the law of Christ. So, to those who are without law, I became as without law, though not without the law of Christ, so that I may perhaps save some. Hmm? I have become all things to all men. All things. You can't be mono. You can't be mono. There must be parallel universes. If you are mono, you'll be weak. That means you want to be one person to all people. Well, all people are not the same. And their needs are not the same. You have to be a good actor, Hollywood Oscar-driven, who can stay in different scenarios as needful. Hello? A few weeks ago, I was in a club to sign a deal. The guy we had to engage was going to be there at 2 a.m. Everybody had to be there. Hello? I was there. It's not where we go, it's who we are. And when we get there, the environment is subject to our energy. You see? Somebody said, I'm like Jesus. I'm going to, I can go to any party. I said, but be the guest. Jesus was the guest. He wasn't a participant. So go and live your life with quality. So that anywhere you go, you are a guest. Never be a resident. There's no honor for residents. It's guest of honor. Hello? Anywhere you go, be a guest. Never get comfortable to become a resident. You meet me today, I'll be a guest forever. You will never get comfortable with me because I will never descend to the level of a resident. I will be a guest so that my honor remains constant. So any room you enter, if you go with them, you can't lead them. To lead them, you have to be above of their game. So their environment is not your threat. It is the game that defines that environment that is your threat. Once you participate in that game, you have become like them. A man who is handsome, that has money, that has good clothes, that look good, that drives a good car, must do babes. You must do babes. Once you don't do babes, you unlock the respect of men. They can't understand it. That's your key. Now, when you have all they have, and you don't do what they do, that's when they are humble. If you have their money, it's nothing. If you have their car, it's nothing. If you have all of that, it's nothing. But the things that defeat them when you stand tall in debt, and they know they are humble. You can't see a ministry, a men ministry, that is growing if the man cannot command the respect of the man. And you can't command the respect of the man if you fall like them. A part of you must stand tall in the things that defeat them. So a table of whiskey can be happening. What are you doing? Don't forget, because you are drinking water does not make you better. You have a job to do. Let them drink their whiskey. You are not called to judge the culture. You are not called to condemn the culture. You are not called to criticize the culture. You are called to shape it. Shape it. And that comes with observable view, superior results that unlock their curiosity. They know it themselves. They know you are different. And the God that you serve, this is how it happens. God will allow 10 problems to show up. 10 problems in your relationships. In the next three years, you will allow 10 problems to show up. You will keep everybody clueless in eight. You give them solution in two. And all the eight solutions, where they were clueless, you will give to you alone. When the Bible says, from today, I'll begin to exalt you in the face of all Israel, talking to Joshua. What it meant is that I will create circumstances 
and concentrated ideas and give you solutions to it. You won't need to be David. They will know you are their master. By the solutions you bring, they will know you are their master. So when you are amongst them, you have to be in the spirit, sensitive to your own solution, waiting for the waters to be turned. And when the waters are turned, you see your own game, and then you key into that game and solve those problems. Right? As you are solving problems, these are men filled with ego, pride. They are not going to acknowledge it until it is saturated. Keep doing it. One day, in the corner, one by one, you come and meet you. Say, show us your secret. Something is happening here. For the mountain of the Lord will be established as chief of the mountains. And they shall come to Zion to say, show us your way. We were not Christians. They started calling us Christians. What they called us in scriptures was the people of the way. Before they called us Christians, we were called the people of the way. And if there's one thing Jesus called himself, he wasn't Christian. He was the way, the truth, and the life. We are way makers. Never forget that. So when you function in the system, the darkness should not confuse you. You should understand it, brand it, give it a name, recognize its weakness, and provide a solution. If you are clueless in that moment, call those who have walked through that path. There's nothing you are going to face. There's no darkness before you. Human beings have not walked through. Find people who have walked through it and learn the wisdom. If you back down, it's not because there is, there's, it's not because there is no way. It's because your reality cannot handle that moment. And you cannot diffuse it into a manageable situation. And because of that, you backed out of nothing. Backed out of nothing. If you allow the threats to take you, remember they threatened the apostles. We will, we will kill you. We will kill you. Before they came to threaten them, they've already said, we can't fight them. Gamaliel's counsel. What if it is God? Say, so leave them, let them preach. But they said, let us strengthen them. So if they are backed down in front of the threat, they'll have been bowing off and backing off a people that have concluded to allow them be. They just came to threaten them. For, they already agreed with Gamaliel that we're not going to touch them. But they came to threaten them all the same. So all the threats are in spite of the conclusion. The conclusion is that you are the winner. So don't back down. No matter what you see, if they ask you for a bribe, don't run. There's a way to handle that thing. There's no one way to handle it, but there's a way every time. Find that way and go through it. The most powerful person on any negotiation table is the one that is ready to walk away without a deal. The one that must have a deal is the weakest. So understand that if you don't get it, it's not the end of the world. So throw your power in. They must get it. You don't have to. But because you don't have to, that's why religion comes in. Because you don't have to, it should not make you walk away. Because you don't have to is why you raise the stake and engage. If it doesn't work, you lose nothing. Never back down. You get what I'm saying? Rise to your feet. I want to pray. I just want to pray. I want to pray a simple prayer. I want to pray a simple prayer. My prayer tonight, trusting for the grace of God upon the new Trusting for the grace of God upon God's servant. Trusting for the grace of God upon my life. I trusted for light today. Light. Light. If the whole room is dark and everywhere is dark, the darkness is a constant. Don't mind it. Focus on the light. The little light in that corner, focus on it. Somebody shared that with me and I will never forget it. In fact, somebody, she said that with me actually. She said that with me. She told me about that idea. And it was very powerful. Never forget that. 
light shine in darkness. Let the darkness rule. Stay constant. Focus on the light. And as you focus on that light, you find strength. You find meaning. And light is elastic. It grows and it expands. But darkness is inelastic because it's a constant. You do hear me? So as you focus on that light, it stretches. And continues to expand. To cover the whole room. So your eyes are blessed because you see. And your ears are blessed because you hear. And to you, it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom. You understand all things. You see all things. And everything concentrated is diffused before you. Clarity visits you. You see at the core. You see the very beginning of everything. You take everything before you to the point where they began. You understand the science. You understand the protocol. And you stand in it with boldness and courage. And the lights of God will visit you when it matters the most. My final advice to you, and this is prophecy, is this. The next 120 days will be all kinds of networking. God is going to lead people in this room to complexities. You know how Jesus was led into the wilderness? People in this room are going to be led into complexity. Don't cower. Stay in there. You are going to see it. It's going to rise in your office. A promotion will come as a crisis. Don't back down. Don't be rude. Don't be disrespectful. But stand in there. Right? All kinds of ideas, businesses will come as a struggle. I don't know what it is. But complexity is coming. But the goal is that you will deconcentrate it. You will diffuse that thing by the Spirit of the Lord. At the end of that 120, you are going to see kings and champions, queens rising in this room into prominence unimaginable. People in enterprise, in business, in your career, you are going to see opportunities come before you in a very clumsy way. Some of them will look even funny, maybe even dark, maybe even crooked. Don't greet knowledge with your view. Don't greet what comes with your opinion. Don't greet it with tradition, with religion or prejudice. Greet everything with curiosity. Curiosity. When it comes, say you have heard. Go think about it. Counsel through it. Pray about it. God will show you the wisdom in it and you will flip it on your head and take it to the next level. We have declared that so simply and it is done so simply. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.